Hey guys, it's Rebecca. I just wanted to let you know, in case you didn't, that we recently launched my first fragrance. I'm so proud of it. I think the smell is amazing. I created it for you, for me, and uh, it doesn't actually involve any compromises. It's vegan, sulfate and phthalate free, cruelty free. My goal was to create something that marked all your milestone moments, but that didn't compromise your and others' health. And it's environmentally friendly with sustainable packaging. So head over to my website, RebeccaMinkoff.com, and check out my first fragrance. Hi, everyone. Today's guest is Sarah Shadonix, the founder of Scout and Seller. Can you believe this? She's gone from 2 million to 60 million in sales in two years. Her story is amazing. She is leading the clean wine movement, which if you want to know what that is, take a listen. Well, first of all, I have to say this is not an advertisement, but I love my wine. But I was so excited to see you reach out. I'm with Sarah, the founder of Scout and Cellar, who is part of the clean wine movement because I'm learning about this as as I'm getting older and peering into and peeling back all the labels. And I'm like, oh my gosh, something I'm consuming all the time is not good for me. So thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you, Rebecca. Thank you. Yeah. So I'd love to start from the beginning of what got you excited about wine and then what made you launch full head into the entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, that's a great question. So I've always been kind of geeky about wine and a lot of things, but particularly wine. I grew up, my dad would drink wine at dinner, and so I was always kind of curious about it. And then when I got into law school, um, I would try to you know find the cheapest bottle of wine I could that was yummy. And um, so it just kind of grew from there. And as a lawyer, I would take vacations with my husband and we'd go to places where wine was grown and made and that would kind of be our thing. So it just became geekier and geekier about it. But I love wine not because of, you know, the typical reasons people love wine. I love it because of how it was made, the story it has to tell. Um, It's got like this beautiful history oftentimes to it. And I'm just, I love all the parts of wine. But how did you get into it? Because you were a lawyer. I was a lawyer. Okay. So after my second daughter was born, I decided this was the time to pursue passion. So I went to my husband in postpartum state. I'm like, hey, honey, like, I think I'm going to go work in wine. He's like, "Mm, okay, well, all right, we'll make it happen. So I quit my job and spent a year studying to become a sommelier. And where did you do that? I did it in Dallas. Okay. Um, So took classes. Um, I would taste at night with a group of psalms in town, like 11 o'clock at steakhouses. So I would like nurse my daughter, who was three months old at the time, get in the car at 11 p.m., drive across town to taste wine with a bunch of young psalms that working on the floors of steakhouses and, and just began to build knowledge that I didn't have. Um, and then got out a job in California for an e-commerce company and really began to pursue this passion to work in wine. But while all that's going on, while I'm like living my dream, I wake up in the morning with a headache. But most people think that's normal, right? Oh, I must be hungover. Right. That's such a great question. And I thought that at first. I right. Like, okay, I got I to gotta be a little more responsible. I mean, I, I work out. I eat right. Like, I take care of myself as yeah. best as I can until sometimes, you know, you got to have a Cheeto every now and then. But, but yeah, so I just drank a lot less. And I was still wake up with headaches. And this went on for like a year. And I had to figure out what was going on because I began to regret my decision to leave my legal career, which I really liked. And I began to resent wine. And I would dread having to drink it for work. And so, like any good lawyer, I spent a lot of time researching what was going on. I talked to grape growers and winemakers and read advisory opinions and regulations and what you're allowed and not to put allowed not allowed to put in wine. And what I learned is that lurking in all of our bottles, whether five or five hundred dollars, were hundreds of synthetic pesticides, gobs of added sugar or sweetener, dozens of added synthetic chemicals. And it's all that junk that was making me feel like junk. 
That's so disgusting. So I started Scott and Slaughter <laughs> to share what I found. Because, you know, even if I wanted to know it was in my wine, like, like you, I thought it was just grapes. Right. Even though I'd been to hundreds of wineries around the world. And I'm like, when on the wine tour are they like adding the, you know, skull and crossbones stuff, right? And there's no ingredient label. So you can't really know what's in your wine. Why isn't there an ingredient label? Because wine is governed by the TTB, not the FDA. Um, and TTB doesn't require an ingredient label. And it's a, we could have a whole nother podcast on that. Okay. But we won't do that. Okay. <laughs> Why do people even put those chemicals and all these things in wine to begin with? It almost seems like there's no point. That's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. So let's start in the vineyard. Okay. So I don't know if you've ever gardened, but if you, you know, sometimes if you try to garden without bad stuff, you, your stuff gets eaten by the bugs or, right. you know, so... Inclusion of pesticides, insecticides, herbicides protects the investment in the crop, right? And then also it increases yields. So our clean crafted farmer, a guy that's or girl that's farming regeneratively, will get one to two tons an acre. And if someone that farms more conventionally could get eight to ten tons an acre. Wow. More grapes to sell, more profit, more ROI in your land. Then turning to the seller, um, the addition of these chemicals does a number of things. It makes the product taste the same year after year, potentially. You know, you, you order a McDonald's burger. Not that you eat McDonald's, but if you were, every single place would taste yeah. the same. Yeah. Whereas wine is an agricultural product. It's supposed to taste different year after year, but sometimes that's hard. You know, it's not as marketable. Right. So they do it to homogenize it. They do it to protect against things that can happen during fermentation, which is a wild process. They do it to make it taste a certain way, sweeter, more richer, they darken the color, just make it be more commercially acceptable. So that's why people would add. And so what our guys do is really risky. Um, they're not maximizing the return on their land, and they're not protecting the process, protecting it from a commercial perspective. So they're really out on a limb doing like something. the raw milk people. Yes, and the raw cheese people. But yes, it, but, that but product, it's so much better. Yes. So how was the process of just, like you said, you started Scout and Cellar. Like, what was that process like of discovering what grapes you're going to use, what I don't know. How does how does impossible. that happen? It's Im impossible. It's impossible. And the, the you know the only way I'm sitting here is because I found people that are smarter than me yeah. and convinced them that what I wanted to do was a good idea. Okay. So you must be good at sales. <laughs> no, it's not even sales. I'm actually not. I just cast a crazy vision. Yeah. And recruited people. I'm a team builder. I've always loved team sports. Like I just was I'm able I was able to inspire people that to feel the same way I did about this opportunity about clean crafted. Right. So what goes into clean crafting? Great question. So clean crafted wines are wines that are grown by the little farmer that grows without pesticides that that takes par care of his or her little piece of land of, of the earth and it's so awesome. So they don't use any synthetics in the growing process. Okay. And then the winemaker converts those beautiful healthy grapes into wine without any synthetic chemicals. And that's it. Wow. So it's T totally a reflection of place. It's authentic. It's so vibrant. It's like the tomato you pick in the garden. Right. Versus like the tomato you buy at the convenience store. Right. So much of a difference. Or the tomatoes in Italy, really. Yes. Versus Even the better. local bodega. Yes. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it like those, how long has the company been in business? So we're about two and a half years old. Oh my gosh. Do you guys, I just want to let you guys know, you're going to read it in the show notes, but you're doing over $60 million a year in sales. That's amazing. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Truly, Rebecca, when I started this, I thought like my mom and friends were going to buy the wine and that was it. Right. But it was through like sharing the product, telling the stories, inspiring people that like this could be something that could make change in the world in terms of talking about how our food is grown and how it's made and like how that matters, why it matters to us, to our kids. And through sharing the wine, we just got people excited about it. Mm -hmm. 
And so it's been just overwhelmingly amazing and with with so many obstacles. Wow. Well, I want to start with the obstacles. So you launched two years ago and what was the first? Oh, no, I didn't think about that. Well, I had to program the website. So that this was before you had wine. We had wine. We had we started with seven little wines. Okay, like seven bottles or seven types. (laughs) (laughs) Seven different wines. We had about 600 bottles of each. Wow. Okay. Where did the investment, how did you raise for that? Or you had saved up money from your high-flying career? No. (laughs) I convinced some friends and family that this could be a good idea and raise a tiny bit of money from them. Okay. So you had 3,600 bottles of wine. Can Mm -hmm. I do the math? I think that's right. Seven times six? 4,200. Thank you. Thank you. That's not my skill set. Okay. So (laughs) 4,200 bottles of wine, Mm -hmm. seven kinds. Yep. You programmed a website. I programmed the website, and then we turned it on about 3 o'clock on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure it was going to work, but it did. And we had spent that summer leading up to August 30th out on the road, like sharing the wine with people and inspiring people to be a part of this. So in the first day, it was like people were actually ordering the wine. And then it kept happening and kept happening and kept happening, and we sold out of all those wines in like three weeks. Wow. And so I wasn't ready for that. Right. So so we had to hustle. And we had a time when there was no wine available to sell about a couple of weeks. But then that we found some more. It was a great problem to have. It was a great problem to have. Right? But it I was mean, a problem. No, it's totally a problem. But it's very different than like, we have too much to wine and no one's buying. Okay, so you reordered. We reordered. And then we had a whole new beautiful set of wines. And people were ordering still faster than we could even. I think people were ordering like 200, 300 bottles a day. And we were able to pack up like 60 so it got it got crazy. But also just we were introducing a whole new category of wine. Like clean crafted is something that's not out there on the market. So we had to like explain it to people. Right. Tell people about the farmers and and so that was really hard too. So when I go to the wine store now and I see clean or sustainable, mm-hmm. does that still have chemicals? It could. It could. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a that's one of the biggest distinctions for us is we test the final product to make sure it's totally free from all the synthetics, whereas other standards don't do that. They just look at maybe how it was made, how it was grown, but they don't test the final product. Gotcha. So you're the only woman doing this. Yes. Wow. So I want to know what the ride from 2 million to 60 million feels like in two years. Bumpy, <laughs> tired, like like exhausting, thrilling, and truly unbelievable. We've moved five times different facilities because we keep outgrowing them. Um, we went from one and a half employees to almost a hundred. And so all the things that come with that, you know, it, it, it's just, it's been amazing. But then as we, as we grow, continuing to, to communicate what clean crafted is and spread the message, um, throughout website crashes and broken bottles and distribution issues as it relates to alcohol and the laws associated with that. I mean, just all the crazy bumps, but, but now we're, you know, I have an office, as opposed to like working out in the pit with all my team. And so it's, it's now we feel like a real company and we're actually set up to continue to do good in the world, which is what our goal is. Wow. So I'm sure you've been approached a lot to get bought. We've had some discussions with people. Yeah. And is this something that you're like, this is my baby. I want to see it grow or if, if the right opportunity presented itself. You know, we're, we're so focused on clean craft and it's just not to the point where I, we're, we're ready to do anything else with it. I mean, we have so much more work to do with Clean Crafted, uh, with working with the farmers and with spreading, you know, the story around the country. So yeah, we're really good where we are now. And have you felt launching a business after having a three-month-old, a tug on where your time is? 100% of the time. What's that like? It's 
guilt-inducing. You miss <laughs> moments. I mean, you 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 go through the same thing. You yes. you miss moments, but it, it's been so amazing to do this and have my kids be a part of it. For the you know, they've packed orders in the warehouse. They've come and they've come to our. We had our first national sales conference last month, and they came. Um, and saw the impact that we're having. They've been out to the vineyards with me, and they've talked to the growers and walked in the rows. And so to get to serve as an example for them and what doing crazy shit with t- taking risk, how it can work out if you you know are if you get other people to join you, yeah, has been really the best part. Yeah. What would you say the magic is in getting people to join you? Because like a lot of our listeners are just launching something or trying to raise money, and they struggle with getting people on board to their cause. Mm-hmm. How did you do that? By casting a vision that they buy into and that they see that they can achieve success alongside of you. That's the big thing, that if you can inspire for us, if I've been able to inspire others to feel like they can be successful alongside of us, that's been the key. Yeah. What would you say the hardest thing you've encountered to date, well, I guess in the last two years has been? I I would say starting a new category. Okay. Okay. You say clean crafted and people are like, what's that? And like right. clean wine? Like what? what is that? So having to explain it and then try to position it in the market has been really hard. Yeah. Um, and how did you get your foot in the door of the market? Like I, I feel I have a friend who has a gin company, Pomp and Whimsy. Oh, cool. Um, and she's like, it's a boys club, you know? And so she actually started a, a female, uh, I don't know, spirits collective of like women. Cool. Yeah. But I mean, how did you get your foot in the door? We, our go-to-market strategy was different. Okay. Um, because we, you know, and we looked at who bought wine and why they bought wine. It's primarily women. Mm-hmm. We're the primary buyers of wine, and we buy wine based on three things. What our friends are drinking, the story behind the wine, and the label. I was just about to say, I gotta, it's got to be the label, mm-hmm. right, if it's pretty? Yep. We love that. Isn't right? that stupid? No, it's not stupid because <laughs> there's like, it's just, there's too much choice. What else are you going to rely upon? You're right. Okay. So, oh. Fine. And so we considered those things, and we also considered the fact that when I started the company, like one and a half percent of the seventy billion dollars in wine was sold online. And so we thought, huh, well, let's take advantage of this online space. Okay, we're—I mean, we're all Amazon priming, right? And then consider how people buy wine and who buys wine. That that caused us to launch into the social selling space. So we have a network of thousands of consultants that tell our story, that tell our farmer's story. And so that has been the key to our growth, truly, is we've empowered others to achieve their own success through clean crafting. So they're they're almost like ambassadors. Exactly. But they're selling. Yeah, they're market they're sharing our story. Right. Yep, exactly. And how did you reach all these people and get them to share your story correctly? Because I feel like if if you get a bad egg yep. and they're like, I'm not gonna buy from that person. And that happens. Right. So what we do is we do our best to train and educate and share with our consultants and give them tools and resources so they can tell the story right. And also they tell the story in a way that's personal to them. Because right. clean crafted wine is important to people for different reasons, whether it's for their cancer survivors or whether because they grew up on a farm and they're thoughtful about how food is grown or they want a product that tastes like where it came from. And clean craft is a personal thing. And so they kind of weave in their, their personal buy-in or why they're a part of it when they talk about it. And so we just do our best and then we try to correct with love if, you know, if needed. So how would you say, like, when you go from two people to over 100, I find that the people managing piece has always been the hardest for me, right? What would you say your tricks or tips have been that have enabled you to grow a team fast? Because I also feel like when we when we had our growth phase be fast, it was kind of like, I don't have time to train you, just get on board. But then... 
that has its own issues. <laughs> yeah, no, th- but that's totally what happens in the reality. You have to fill seats, right? So what, what, what we've done that has worked to date, I mean, we'll see, you know, every day is a new day, but um, is we have five core values at Scout and Seller. Do the right thing, authenticity, transparency, passion, and family. And I use those core values to like actually make decisions on on close calls on things with related to people or wines or business decisions, and we live those out loud in our in our office. Um, we hire for those core values. Um, we talk about them with '90s rap playing in the background, um, which is all with, with the dogs running around the office. But like we live out those core values in how we do things, and so that's been the key to our success so far and getting good people. And did you come up with those core values prior to launch? I worked on them with a, a brand agency that that helped me build the brand. I so, think that's smart. But they're but they're you know they're like personal to me and yeah. to to people that we knew we wanted to work with. So yeah. yeah. It was awesome. I think back, I think if anyone's starting, it's always good to start the way you did because we had to back into our brand values and like rediscover what our, what they were. I don't even know what they are. Really? Yeah. But I'm sure they're a reflection of you. So you've always known what they are, right? You just, it's communicating them in the right way. Correct. And it's putting them in a document and saying, hey, when you start, here you go. Yeah, it was really important. I mean, it, it was, it was certainly a big, a big way that helped us to get the best people. What do you do when you, do you go on vacation? <laughs> I do. I'm taking my family to the mountains in a couple of weeks. Oh, nice. Um, but we vacation a lot of times around wine. We we build in some wine work around it. Um, but we love to be outside. So, yeah, I try to get away every now and then. You, you know, quality time with the kids. That's what my whole weekend is. Maybe for you, too. Like, just Focus. I told my friends, I'm like, I'll see you in a couple of years. That's what, I, that's what I talk about all the time. I'm like, goodbye. Yeah. We'll talk when my kids don't want to talk to me, right? Exactly. Oh, I love that. That's I'm going to steal that. But yeah, that's totally true. You got to invest the time in the kids when they're when they're little. When they, they want to cuddle with you. Or my daughter. Or my kids are both such good cuddlers. Are yours too? They are. My son, he's eight. So it's like now all knees and elbows. So it's not pleasant, but at least he still wants to be on me. You know? <gasps> my nine-year-old boy is exactly the same way. Oh, I love that knees and elbows. Yep. Right? Just like, ugh. I know, but it's so great. It is great. So I think... A lot of my listeners and also me were so conscious about what we put on our bodies or maybe what we ingest. So whether we can, like, what else can we look for if we can't, for some reason, can't get access to your wine? Sure. Like, how can we educate ourselves with all alcohols or, you know, just this environment where we're just like, ah, I'll just bring a bottle of wine and you don't really think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if it's not, if if you can't get, if you're in a restaurant, for example, because clean, we're not in restaurants um, right now, um, but clean craft is only available online. Um, but always good to, first of all, talk to someone at the restaurant or at the hotel or wherever you are. Like, hey, do you know anything about the how this wine was grown or made? Um, look for an organic or biodynamic. So those are good. Those, those are, are good. Those are those are as safe as you can get on the way to clean crafted. At okay. least the first part, hopefully done. And then you can also look for importers um, that import wines that are really focused on that um, on natural type wines or organic type wines. But yeah, biodynamic and organic is a great place to start. Okay, yeah, that's like baseline. Don't have the other crap. Yes, like hope, like we're grown at least right, right. And yep. so we don't know what happens after that, but yeah, we're, that's that's getting on the right direction. And there's probably so many other ancillary health issues that women experience, whether it's like they say, breast cancer can be from alcohol, but maybe it's not from the alcohol. Maybe it's from all this crap, right? Uh, it, it absolutely could be. I mean, I, it absolutely could be. But people get rashes. They they throw up. They get they the the, the stories we've heard. They get migraines. They get stomach aches. They have diabetic issues if they have diabetes. Um, And the stories we've heard from our consumers, our customers, about how Clean Crafted has changed their lives and just on a personal way has been really, truly unexpected. I didn't think that would happen. 
but it's been amazing. Oh, that's so exciting. I feel like I have like a, I always feel like a little guilty when I bring home a non, you know, I've been trying to be more conscious. Yeah. But now, now I have my go to. <laughs> well, and we, we're launching in a week. A, a new spritzer. It's a whole new product for us. So it's like competing with the seltzers out of the world. So a little lower alcohol, a little fresh. It's got some organic botanicals. So good for the summer. Mm. So really just trying to put clean crafted out in other ways um, so we can continue to share it. Yeah. Because not everybody drinks wine. Right. I don't know those people, but not everybody does. <laughs> <laughs> They're missing out. I know. So I ask two questions of everyone who comes on this podcast. Um, it can be funny or not, um, but what is something we'd be surprised to know about you? Well, you might not be so surprised because you're, you're seeing me right now, but you know, for someone who's a, a lawyer and a sommelier, um, I kind of push the boundaries in terms of um, what, I, what I like to wear and listen to. So I'm a total sneaker geek. I'm wearing bright pink Jordans right now, and I've got a bunch of super bright, crazy loud sneakers that I wear every day. Love it. And then I'm a huge music geek. Um, we do music trivia in the office, and I can name a lot of crazy music. And so if 90s rap's not playing, like, something else crazy and funky's playing. So, nice. Yeah. And you dance to it, too? I'm a terrible dancer. Okay. But I love to dance. Okay. And sing, even though I'm horrible at that, too. I'm the worst. Oh, but it's fun. Yeah. I sound like Yoko Ono when I sing. It's, like, that high. Like, I, can't, I don't have a low tone. It's just like, ee. Oh, it's that's, bad. That's great. But it's good to sing with your kids, too. Like, my daughter loves to sing, and I'm like, mm, yeah. so much heart there, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's all that matters. Exactly. What would you like to leave as, like, a great piece of advice either you've learned through this journey or that someone gave you that you were like, this is a keeper? So my dad's mentor, uh, my dad's my hero, my dad's mentor told him something that he shared with me, like, 15 years ago, and it's truly stuck with me, and it's this. Success is only possible if others want you to be successful. And so I've kind of considered that, and I kind of talked about it earlier, like by empowering others to achieve their own success alongside of you, then at the end, you're all at the finish line and you've all won and you get to celebrate success together. So that's I love it. that. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. I'm so glad to have been here and get to talk to you about this. It's been wonderful. Yeah, it's awesome. So where do we where do we go? Yeah. Thanks for asking that. Scoutandseller.com. Okay. All of our wines are available there, as well as our spritzer in a couple weeks. And then we're launching this whole new thing called a mixable that's like a lower alcohol, lower calorie spirit in April. It's called Wilderness Road. Awesome. Yeah. And the spritzer is Epic Pursuit. And all of our wines are at scoutandseller.com. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That was Sarah Shadonix, the founder of Scout & Cellar. Definitely head to her website to buy her wine. I can't wait to try it. And I hope you were inspired by her story today. 